1: Hi, this we were is just Tracy. Connected. I know. Hold, hold on, Lauren. I just yeah. want to say hi to everyone. Hold on. So this is Tracy Slatten. Welcome to Independent Think Artists and Thinkers. And I had a technical glitch as the show was starting and dropped my guest. So um, apologies to Lauren. And um, so she's back on, so we'll get to her in just a minute. And I want to say Happy New Year. To 2017 is getting off to a really interesting start. And I'm so happy to welcome all my listeners to the show. We've got a wonderful show lined up for you today. I'm really excited. And I just want to say how grateful I am and how happy I am that so many people are listening to the show live and in the archives and the iTunes podcast channel. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you're enjoying the shows, because I certainly am. I created this show. Well, I have this whole write-up about how I created the show to support people, the brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. But um, what I have realized is that I, I actually just get to talk to really cool people. There's A friend of mine said, Tracy, you're just talking to cool people and having fun with it. So um, that's true, but I do think that all of my guests so far have shared a kind of independent thinking. They have that in common. Keep checking the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thinkers, and the website, www.independentartistthinkers.com and the Blog Talk Radio page to see who will be on the show. And then something I've been thinking about for a few months that I like to put out there, and that is every spiritual act is an act of defiance in a materialistic world. And I guess that partly depends on how you define spiritual but for me it has a lot to do with kindness and compassion so kindness and compassion are acts of defiance in a materialistic world uh, okay please do call in with questions or comments to 516 453 you can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers and the chat room is open so if you have questions then live chat me I wanted to let you know about some author events that I will be doing. I will be doing an author presentation at the Hamilton Grange Library on January 28th at 3 p.m., and I will do another one at the Riverside Library on February 11th at 2 p.m. So those will be fun. It'll be fun to see my listeners there. I'll also be a guest on Mommy Interrupted on Sunday, January 29th at 8 p.m. on WLINY Radio, and I'll be a guest on The Librarian. Authors on the Air Global Radio Network with host Tabitha Pope on Thursday, February 16th at 9 p.m. So that would be fun. Also, um, just to remind you that all the episodes, the Independent Artist Thinkers um, episodes are available as podcasts on Blueberry and on Stitcher, as well as on the iTunes podcast channel, so there are lots of ways to listen. I am so delighted and honored today to have guest Lauren Lawrence. Lauren Lawrence is the dreams columnist of the New York Daily News. Prior to that, she wrote a political dreams column for John Kennedy Jr. at George Magazine. She has authored four books. The first three dream key series of books were published by Dell in 1999 and 2000. The fourth was a coffee table book, Private Dreams of Public People, published by Asseline. In 2011, Lauren hosted a one-hour primetime TV show, Celebrity Nightmares Decoded, on Bio Channel, so that's cool. Lauren has appeared on numerous TV shows, including Dr. Oz, The Bill O'Reilly Factor, Fox & Friends, Good Morning America, Good Morning New York, Extra, and numerous others. She has published seven articles on theory in top psychoanalytic journals, including the American Journal of Psychoanalysis and the Journal of Mind and Behavior. Lauren has an MA degree in psychology from the New School in Public Research and and Political Science, and she's been a guest on numerous radio shows, including Barry Farber, Joe, Joan Hamburg, Joe Franklin, and Joey Reynolds. She has been written about in Vanity Fair, British Vogue, The London Times, The New York Post, The Daily News, Star, Glamour Elle, Marie Claire, Hello, and numerous others. Lauren, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being on. Well, I'm delighted to be here. So you're doing such fascinating work, and there's a lot to talk about, but I'd like to start, I have a typical opening question for my guests, and it's a big question, so Mm -hmm. answer it the way that feels good for you, but I like this question because it situates my listeners into who you are and what you're about, and the question is, how did you begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have? When did you know you were going to be involved in dreams and dream interpretation? Were psychology, psychoanalysis, and the unconscious a major presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So start young and lead up to now. (laughs)
0: Well, That is a large question. Okay, I'll have to answer it piecemeal. Uh, When I was young growing up, of course, I was unconscious to all of this. (laughs) If you want to use that word, I really... had no idea of what I wanted to do in life at that moment. Um, all I did know is, though, uh, that a lot of my friends, when they dreamt and they told me their dreams, I I immediately kind of had a sense of exactly what the dream was telling them. And mm. I remember thinking to myself, it's interesting, it's almost like I'm translating it, uh, as though the dream was a foreign language and, and I was able to speak it. And mm. um, I... Uh, it sort of occurred to me, but you know, I just—it was just something I knew. I just felt good in, you know, like you'd feel good in in a sport or something like that, you know. But I just knew I had a talent in that area. I wasn't really focusing on it. And then years later, um, I was um, at this um, friend of mine, and I always give her credit for it. Or it's Quest magazine. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started as a real estate magazine and it became quite a social magazine and kind of society magazine. And my friend was the publisher and sometimes I would go up and just say hello to her with a friend or something like that. And um, and she was snapping her fingers in front of my face saying, what kind of column can you write for me? And it was only when she did that, it was just sort of so inspirational. I said, society dreams column. And I, I just... It just came out, and she said, "Oh, I love it!" and um, go and get me some dreams. So uh, n- during that time, I was very friendly with um, Ola Cassini. He was a great friend of mine, uh, who I still miss today. Uh, and um, I got his dream, and and um, I had an older friend, Nan Kempner, who was a very um, considered the social X-ray in those days, and she mm-hmm. was. Uh, She was very uh, well-known in society, and she gave me her dream. And I started collecting a few, and I I had about four or five. And when I came back um, to my friend, um, she said she had no space at the time. At the time, when she asked me to do this, she had a lot of space, but she had given out a lot of other columns, and so there was no space uh, left for it in quest. And she said, well, why don't you go and try to get it somewhere else, it's really quite good. So, um, And then I, I managed to uh, get it to uh, Mort Zuckerman, who was um, the owner of the Daily News, and, and he really loved the idea. And so that's, that's what started me on that. But then it sort of all started coming together because what I really wanted to do was to see if what one does in life is reflected in the psyche. So mm-hmm. I started getting together dreams of, of people from every walk of fame. You know, so actors and and um, directors and artists and musicians and political figures and um, even lawyers. I mean, an astronaut. I just wanted to see if there was some kind of um, symmetry there. And no one had really done that. So that was what really inspired me. And that's what led to all of these books, uh, particularly the coffee table book, Private mm-hmm. Dreams of Public People, because that is a compilation of the dreams of... Of every walk of fame, mm.
1: and but yeah. when you were a little kid, what did you think you mm-hmm. would be like? Did you think you'd be had, a writer and a columnist? In a
0: well, um, I had written something down. It was a little travelogue, and I was reading it to a friend of mine, who actually ended up in publishing for a while um, later on. And she had said to me, "You should be a writer. That's really very well written." And it, it just I, I never forgot it, but it just didn't motivate me at all, and I really had no idea of what I wanted to do. Not until much later in life. Mm.
1: And so, what training did you have? Like, did you have a moment when you had your own dream and said, I have to understand more? I've been telling people about their dreams. Now I have this dream. Oh, and then, of course. what training did you have? Well, of
0: course, I had my own dreams, and um, they were always very, very much fun. Oh, also, I should say that um, that I was very fond of reading uh, Nancy Drew detective story books when I was mm. young. My mother used to buy them for me, and uh, she also had on her shelf uh, Freud's interpretation of dreams. And as a young child. I must have been about 11 or 12. I used to take that book at night and I used to read it under the covers. I remember this with a flashlight and I enjoyed reading the dreams and I after I read the dream I didn't even check to see what he said because I'm not sure I would have understood it but I always used to seem to know what it was even before I read what he had said. So that's one thing that was sort of a clue, but I, it didn't occur to me as a clue. It was just something I liked to do. Uh, years later, my first master's was in communications. And, and uh, of course, what does a dream do? It really communicates, but that's another story. And um, it was communications. It was uh, theater, radio, TV, theater, um, um, oral interpretation of literature. That was all one master's. And then years mm. later... I I got a second masters in psychology and um and that's when I started writing articles on theory and those articles started getting published which was quite strange because I had never published anything in fact I had had more published articles in top journals than some of my professors and again it still didn't occur to me you know um it was just something that I was doing and then it just you know, I had this group of material and I just decided, you know, I really have to go and, and uh, continue on in my pursuit of, of you know, uh, approaching people from all walks of life to see what their dreams uh, are, what they're dreaming. That's cool. That sounds like fun. Oh, it was tremendous fun. <laughs> and and it was always very, um, just always um, wondrous, you know. Dreams to me are Something so special. They're so ephemeral, uh, you know. They're like flowers, or like perfume. You know, you wake up with the scent of them, and then you sort of lose them in this large room of consciousness. Mm-hmm.
1: That's you beautiful, because, Lauren. They are yeah. like perfume. That's a perfect. You wake they up are. and they're they you, and then they fade. They're evanescent. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are,
0: mm-hmm. and that's. I love things that are evanes- evanescent. I guess <laughs> it's been my. Um, my calling card.
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's go right into it then. What are dreams? How do you view dreams? Are you more of a Freudian or more of a Jungian? I combine all of them,
0: including my own uh, theories on dreams. I have put forth certain concepts, um, and um, I have read pretty much everything Freud wrote, and, and same for Jung, and um, I think dreams are Something as I said, it, they're magical. They're magical entities. They're here to help us. And um, so when we sleep, um, one of the main reasons for sleep, I think, is so that the brain, which is our computer, you know, the the ROM space is really the memory, um, mm-hmm. our memory, the ROM space. And when we dream, it's like downloading a file. And when you interpret it, it's opening that file. And that's how I always mm-hmm. look at it. And um, they're really here That's to protect cool. us. Yeah, they're here to protect us. And um,
1: protect us you know, from what?
0: We are from ourselves. <laughs> we mm-hmm. either get them or we don't. You know, dreams that recur recur because we didn't get the meaning the first time. So sometimes they kind of hit you on the head with it until you get it. But some people never do.
1: All right, I was going to ask you about recurring dreams. I have that um, mm-hmm. written down in my in my. Um, so you see dreams are magical entities. They're here to help. They're mm-hmm. here to communicate. They're here to protect mm-hmm. us from ourselves. Mm-hmm. What else do dreams do?
0: Well, um, you know, they solve problems. They guide. They, they help heal. Uh, they warn. You know, they're really incredible. Uh, they reveal. They're, they're just incredible entities because the unconscious is far greater than consciousness. It knows everything that we've ever known and seen and experienced in life. And
1: mm-hmm. so this makes use of that great creative center. Mm. So where do they come from? You You talk about the great creative center. Do dreams come from the great creative center? Well, that is the unconscious. The mm. unconscious
0: is is, um, is where everything comes from. Everything starts there. And it doesn't forget anything, and it doesn't pull punches. I mean... When we get something from a dream, it's pure. Because when we dream, there is no ego. There is no I. There is no will. It's, it's, it just comes to us, and, and we either listen to it or not. <coughs> Excuse me.
1: What's the most common dream or common dream image that people write into you about or people ask you about? Well, there's a lot of common
0: dream uh, uh uh themes one of them is teeth falling out, which is very common. It means one thing for men one thing for women which is what does it mean it's one of the few gender driven dreams um well um for a man it's um considered Freud would say a sexual fantasy um I don't want to get too graphic but um uh that's, what, that's the meaning of, of the teeth pulling, uh, teeth falling out dreams. And for women, um, Freud would say that anything that comes out of the body is a wish for pregnancy. But I have uh, given that a modern skew because I've interpreted so many dreams that, um, that I see that there's also another meaning. And that is um, when a woman dreams that her teeth fall out, it represents a void in her life and there's something that needs to be filled in her life and that always clicks and it always registers.
1: I have never had that dream.
0: I have never dreamt about my teeth or teeth falling mm-hmm. out. No,
1: neither have I,
0: but so many people do. I mean, just tons. It's what are some of the other common... Like well, falling is a, is a dream. Being chased is a dream.
1: What um, is being chased?
0: Yeah, being chased. Um, well, I always, I always give it him. The phonetic um, meaning of chaste, the phonetic, the oral interpretation of chaste would be C-H-A-S-T-E. So mm-hmm. I always say that it's people who want to make sure they keep their moral and ethical standards intact. And, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's sort of, they're, they're trying to be chaste, but it also refers to something behind you. So that's the past. And mm. so you're being chased by something that wants to come into the present. Uh,
1: I have that one a
0: lot. Yeah, many people don't even look back in their dreams because they don't want to see what it is Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: chasing them. And um, and those are very interesting dreams.
1: And what about flying dreams?
0: Oh, flying dreams are one of the best dreams. (laughs) Flying dreams are um, what I call self-affirmation dreams because it gives you uh, a quality that you don't normally have in life. And uh, those dreams lift you up. You know, they're mm-hmm. often dreamt by very independent people who don't want to be tied down. They don't want to be, um, you know, grounded. And um, it lifts you above any kind of trouble or anxiety that you may have. And, and it's dreams of freedom, you know, because you're yeah, when to I- do whatever you want to do.
1: Yeah, when I'm having a flying dream, I'm so happy to be so free and to feel mm-hmm. myself. It's almost right. like falling up. Oh, I'm sorry? It's almost like falling up. Yes,
0: that's interesting, yes.
1: It's, un- it's completely unfettered. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's unrestricting,
0: <laughs> you know, and, you, and you, you just can do whatever you want. And sort of the ropes have been cut, you know.
1: What about another, image,
0: I'm sorry. What? I, no, I so said there's no. another interesting dream: separation anxiety dreams. A lot of people have those as well.
1: How do they show up? What are they? How are they symbolized?
0: Well, well, um, often, you know, it's 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 the fear of giving up something. And so, it, for instance, if an artist told me one that was a separation anxiety dream, and that was he was just. Looking at his paintings, and he was upset that one of them was going to have to leave, so I mean that you know mm-hmm. that has so many different um scenarios that can go along with that, but you know a lot of children have those dreams, you know leaving home, growing up, leaving the parent and it's the fear of that, and it's also a, there's a wish there's a wish to leave and a fear, so it's a conflicted mm-hmm. wish mm-hmm. and um, you often get both of those, so those are interesting dreams. It's well.
1: fascinating, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end of my first marriage, I was constantly dreaming that I was trying to call my former husband on my phone, on my cell phone, and I couldn't get the cell phone to work, and then I, and I couldn't get the phone to work, and I couldn't remember his number, and I couldn't find anyone to get the phone number, and I could never get the phone to connect. I could never Mm -hmm. reach him. That's interesting, yes. Well, that's the.
0: I was going to say, divorces and and breakup of relationships often trigger amazing dreams. I wrote a whole book on that. It was called Dream Keys for Love, Unlocking the Secrets of Your Own Heart. And it Mm -hmm. deals with all the different reactions to uh, divorce. And um, so your dream um, shows that you had a conflict because um, part of you wanted to communicate and the other part didn't. But um, that was stronger you know, the, the wish not to communicate, to cut all channels of communication, and that's why you couldn't reach him on the phone. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, I never thought of that. Lauren, you're good at what you do.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> so I have to ask a friend of mine, uh, well, first I'll ask the uh, one side of the question, I'll ask the other side. Mm-hmm. What is lucid dreaming? How do you do it? And then a friend of mine I mean I can do it sometimes but a friend of mine asked me how do you stop lucid dreaming because she has a lot of them and doesn't enjoy them
0: Well you're you're asking the right person because I totally debunked lucid dreaming I wrote a whole paper on it called the problematic coherency of lucid dreaming
1: Oh that's cool I'm going to write that down Well I'll get it from, yeah. sorry that sounds <laughs> i get it from coherency. the MP3 when I listen
0: So talk mm-hmm. about that yeah, and, and in fact, I was. It started when I had to watch for NBC. Wanted me to um, to watch Inception, that awful movie about lucid dreaming, and they wanted me to do a little critique on it. And I was I ended up in all the taxi cabs, you know, on the monitors. Um, anyone that was a NBC monitor, you'd see me there talking about it. And I didn't really want to trash it, trash it, because I thought that wouldn't be nice. But it was so convoluted and so based on such a idiotic premise, and um, the main reason is that a dream should not be lucid. If it's lucid, it's not a dream. You know, it's mm. that easy to, to conceptualize. When, once you bring in awareness, lucidity, you're bringing in the I. You know, the I. Mm. The I is the ego, and that's the mm-hmm. will. So there's, you're not getting anything from the unconscious mind that way. You know, you're doing it. And so it's really you know really crazy in fact the article i wrote you know there were some people that i uh, had mentioned you know books who were writing about it and of course they contacted me and they wanted the full article you know because all they they wanted the reprint because all they saw was the abstract and i never heard back from them of course because you know it's it's such a silly concept but you know it's a, it's a fad like anything else but years ago, this is by no means new. I mean, Freud talked about it in the early 1900s, and he didn't call it lucid dreaming. He called it um, what did he call it? Dire- direct direct dreaming, directive dreaming, something like that. Mm-hmm. He said it was just a waste, a waste. He said it was people who wanted to uh, control their dreams and control their sleep, and, and it didn't give you anything. mm you know so um so
1: is it when that happens it's happened mm-hmm. to me a few times i guess it happens to my friend a lot so what's happening is you're coming up a little bit out of the sleep state and the conscious Definitely. mind and...
0: Mm-hmm. you're closer to the uh the subconscious and very close to the surface and and at that point you're you're sort of hypnagogic which is a kind of stage where you're almost conscious but you're not quite conscious and mm-hmm. so in that stage you can you know direct and and you know, but it's so silly, you know, because you're not you're not getting anything from your deep unconscious.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you're missing the whole thing. And I can give you an example of that. There was, there was someone who actually was dreaming of, of of being in the bedroom, and then they wanted to see what was in the drawer. So you know, they willed themselves to go see what was in the drawer. And of course, nothing is in the drawer. What the, what they should have been focusing on was the empty bed. And and you know what that represented in their life and they were you know just looking for ways to look at stupid things that had nothing to do with the dream
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know that they were what? originally given because often this happens from a dream you know it's in other mm-hmm. words it starts with the dream and then the person wakes a little bit for whatever reason which of course also could be a uh, repressive instinct coming in to repress and then they they sort of transmute it and walk it here and walk it there, but that, they're going away from it. That's using the will. It's using the ego. And it's just very destructive in terms of learning anything about about the psyche.
1: So what would be your advice to my friend to sort of surrender more and not just to to relax and surrender? Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I
0: mean, you know, she should just be aware that what she's doing is is, is kind of forcing herself into more of a conscious state. And she's not she's not allowing, you know, the unconscious to take over. Because as I said, there is no will. There is no ego. There is no I in the unconscious.
1: So for someone who's doing a lot of lucid dreaming, it's a, an exercise in surrender. And they probably, you know, no, it's not are trying to control it. No, it's the opposite. They're not surrendering. Right, no, they each, they each yes. a surrender, meaning the way to address this is to surrender. But they probably came by that by way of fear, right? They're afraid of what the oh, unconscious yes. oh, will yes. tell them. Uh, absolutely. So how, how would you counsel someone not to be afraid of what the unconscious will tell them?
0: Well, that's a whole, that's a whole anal- analytic session <laughs> right there. I mean, I can't possibly counsel uh, to that point. Um, I I mean, the point is they have to be open to really wanting to know what's in their unconscious mind, and just when they go to sleep, they sleep. You know, Mm. they're not trying to wake up and and will. They're not trying to surrender to sleep.
1: Mm. Mm. So is there a book that you'd recommend for my friend to read, or just...
0: Well, she can find um, my article if <laughs> she can find it. It was published in the Journal of Mind and Behavior, which is one of the foremost scientific journals. And,
1: um, and you call it the problem of coherency?
0: No, the problematic coherency of lucid dreaming. The problematic coherency of lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it was probably, let me see, I did my TV show in 2011, so it was published right around there, right before mm-hmm. I was, I, was, I, I, I know it came out uh, right before I was going to Hollywood to do some of the episodes.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to take a short 30-second break at this moment because it seems like we're at a good pause just to play a quick commercial. Okay? Oh, fine. All right, so I'm playing a quick commercial. Don't go anywhere. I'm just playing the commercial. Mm-hmm. When you find an author you love, you read everything they publish. International best-selling author Tracy L. Slattin is one of those writers. Her book, Immortal, is a rags to riches to burnt at the stake story of an orphan boy in Renaissance Florence. Broken is the story of a fallen angel in Nazi-occupied Paris. And her award-winning romantic paranormal dystopian after-book series. Also, her bittersweet sci-fi romantic comedy, The Love of My Other Life. Read one and you will be hooked. Find all of her books at TracyLSLattin.com. Lauren, are you there? Yes. So I wanted to hearing to...
0: about your books.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to go back to what you started to say about recurring dreams, and mm-hmm. your, what you are saying is that they mean that people aren't getting the message the first time. Do you want to explain yes. that some more?
0: Yes. Well, a dream will recur up until you understand its message, and once you understand the message, it will no longer recur. So it must be interpreted, and uh, I find those very, very interesting, and I've helped a lot of people um, with
1: those dreams, and they've never had them again. Do any of these dreams have a spiritual significance to you? Do you look at life that way? All dreams are spiritual. Anything that comes from deep inside, it's
0: magical. I mean, you know, I've had people... Read me a dream that they 've written out for me, and some of them are like pages long and it 's so fascinating because a dream is only a few seconds, sometimes not even a fraction of a second and and that 's magical and it 's because when we sleep, there is no time, so really dreams are I like to say they 're faster than the speed of light, mm. Because you can get so much in, in in such a short, in a fraction of a second, it's almost like those moving um, pictures in, in Harry Potter, you know, the um, the framed pictures, you know, um, mm-hmm. and they move within the frame. And, you know, that's kind of like the condensation that Freud talks about, but it's all in, in that frame and it moves within it and, and everything can be seen at once and there's different angles and everything. And that's kind of what a dream is. So it's very mystifying to me how, how
1: we transcend time. And so dreams are one way we transcend time. Well we, well, well, we do,
0: because as I said, the dreamer will think that they've been dreaming for hours when it, it's really clocked in at a fraction of a second or a second or two, and it's mm-hmm. really a very, very short experience, and yet the dreamer walks away thinking it was,
1: you know, hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is fascinating. That is fascinating. Do you recommend to people that they keep a dream journal? Oh,
0: absolutely. I
1: think it's the most important thing. It's our, it's our personal history,
0: and they should date it. And I always tell people to look at the day residue uh, or the... Um, the antecedent, and in other words, what happened the day before the dream, what they were feeling, what was expected of them, anything they heard, even on the street or on television, or any of those things will will help um, figure out um, what the dream trigger was. And so, it's very, very important to know what what's going on in their life um, at the time of the dream, and and um, and that helps them work through it.
1: That's interesting. Do you keep mm-hmm.
0: a dream journal for yourself? Not anymore. I used to. I have a lot of dream journals, but um now I I've just just been too busy and I just, you know, my schedule is such that I just I don't do it right now, but I I miss it because it's a really fabulous thing to do. And a lot of celebrity clientele actually they don't they don't keep a dream journal, but they have um uh, a tape recorder. So when they awaken, they can just press it and, and talk about the dream, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what Andy Warhol used to do. He Well, he didn't have a tape recorder. He had a secretary. <laughs> so he would call her in the morning, and she would, you know, he would tell her the dream. And that's how I got his dream, because his dream is interpreted in private dreams of public people, and it was a wonderful dream. And I would never have gotten it if it wasn't for his secretary, who had everything written down.
1: Well, can you tell us a couple, you know, maybe one or two of these um sort of famous dreams? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll try. I haven't haven't looked at it in a while, but
0: um I know Andy's dream was had had Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe in it, which I thought was quite interesting because she's so iconic and he was always, you know, trying to uh to to pin down the iconic in his in his work and um and he saw her in a very bad light. In a well, she was in the limelight, but literally it was a green light, which was interesting. Mm. And so she didn't look good in the green light. You know, she's a blonde, and she didn't look good in the light. And, and mm-hmm. he was worried about that. And you know, but it, I forget what I said. But it had something. Obviously, dreams are very personal. You know, this is another good thing to say um, that people need to know. You can dream about celebrities and. And you can dream about, you know, your sister or all these, you know, a, a good friend, but it's always self-referential. And you're just using these people for whatever they represent to you at the moment. So, so do, um, you,
1: do you believe in like a collective unconscious and do you think dreams can participate in that or do you think they're completely self-referential? Well, no, I do think that you know, certain
0: images, the collective unconscious really refers to uh, certain images that are almost, um, well, we're almost wired in to have these, these images that are global and universal, and that's very interesting, and I do believe in that. But I do think that, um, that for the most part dreams are self-referential. That's what they're meant to do, tell us something about ourselves.
1: So what was Marilyn Monroe telling Andy Warhol about
0: himself well, again, he was Marilyn Monroe. I mean, he was envisioning himself in some degree of her and wanting to be in the limelight and worried that he wasn't coming off well because he had a lot of doubts at certain points in his life that he didn't feel that same creative urge that he had years ago. And he, he was always looking for new ways to expand, which is why he started painting with Basquiat You know, at a certain point in time. And, and so it, it sort of had to do with that. I'd have to look at it again, but, you know, that was mm-hmm. sort of in.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. and um, Is there a dream th- you remember, whether it's a celebrity dream or a regular person dream, is there a dream that you still come back to that was either especially beautiful or especially shocking or there was something in- especially intense about it? Well, I would have to say the dream that Pierre Salinger
0: told me. Pierre Salinger was President John Kennedy's press secretary. He was an older friend of mine, a fascinating man um, who who did have some psychic ability, I think. He he was able to predict things in his life. But in any event, I had been waiting for him to tell me one of his dreams. And this one particular day, he called me up at 2 in the afternoon. It was uh, the end of August. It was August 30th. It was 1997. And he said, Lauren, I'm ready. Get a pencil. I want to tell you my dream. So um, he tells me this very strange dream. And I say strange because he prefaced it by saying there was no imagery. It was all oral. And that's very interesting. When you hear a voice mm. and you don't see any pictures, you don't see any images, and it really makes you you know, need to listen very carefully to what, what you're being told. And um, so I said, sure. And he said he had been covering terrorism at the time, I think for, I think it was NBC. Um, I think he was, I think he might have been in, in England at the time, but I'm not sure. But he was covering terrorism. That's what he had been doing. And um, he heard a voice say to him, Pierre, you must be aware that the worst terrorist attack will occur in Paris in August in the last week. And when he said that to me, it was almost biblical, the way it was Mm. worded. And it just got me very concerned and sort of creeped me out a bit, you know, because I said, Pierre, this is the last week of August and you're really scaring me. I hope nothing terrible happens. And then he sort of waved it off and said, well, you know, I had this dream a, a while ago. I said, but you're telling it to me now and that's You know, that means something, and I just hope Mm -hmm. nothing happens. And um, I wrote up the dream, and then a friend of mine wanted to... um, She wanted to be in one of my books, uh, one of my Dream Keys books. Uh, She's an author, and she she just said, would you fax me over a dream so I could see, you know, how you interpreted the dream. I'd like to see the process and how it looks. So at about four... I call. I uh, faxed her over, and I faxed her over Pierre's dream. I could have faxed her over Gay Talese, who's a you know, who's a very famous author, or Madonna, or anyone like that, but I chose to fax her over Pierre's dream. I I still don't know why, but um, she called me up at at 4:30 uh, in the afternoon, and she said, "Lauren, that's terrible. That's a very scary dream. Now I'm really scared. Mm-hmm. I hope nothing terrible happens." And, of course, that's 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, but 10.30 Paris Time. And two hours later, at 12.30, on the 31st of August, Princess Diana was killed, along with Dodi Fayette, who happened to have been my friend's um, oh. nep- her nephew. So um, she lost her nephew in Paris in August in the last week, and, and uh, but my friend was Sohya Khashoggi. And that was so shocking to me uh, at that point. I mean, you know, Pierre called me, she called me. Uh, everybody was you know Mohammed Fayed was I mean I mean, it was just crazy, you know, and, and mm. I was the intermediary, until this day, it was just so strange to explain why I picked that dream to give her of all people. Mm.
1: It was mm. like
0: she, she, it was like she needed to have that knowledge before the event. I wow. You know, it's inexplicable, I mean, because it was just, well, you know, hours before the event.
1: Hours, mm-hmm. You know, your, Pierre's dream said terrorism. It would lead one to wonder, you know, how planned that accident was.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, to this day, you know, uh, my friend Sohia thinks that she was offed, as they say in, in England, and that there was terrorism involved and in, in that, you know, that uh, they wanted to kill her. And, and Pierre felt the same, same way. I mean, it was a crazy dream to have. And, you know, just the fact that he inserted the word terrorism just made it all the more, you know, frightening. And then when you think of those, you know, there was a scratch in the car at the time. Um, and it seems that, you know, that someone was really doing something very, very bad. We still mm-hmm. don't know really what happened it's a, mm. such a tragedy and um,
1: yeah,
0: you know And but it is what it is it was a very strange dream so that would have to be the strangest dream that I've ever had
1: that, that I, I, I think that's yeah that's a haunting dream that if I had yeah. experienced that the way you did I would never forget yeah what I mean, about happy was, dreams do people have happy dreams what are some of the happy dreams you remember you know people always ask me
0: that, but happy dreams are not really frequent because dreams work through something, so when you're happy they're not really you're not remembering your dreams you know there's no need to dreams work through uh issues uh I would say you know categorically, i guess flying dreams because you know they're uplifting and they make people feel good and so I would say mm-hmm. those are. Oh, also the dreams, the wish fulfillment dreams are the happiest ones where you win the lottery, you know, or you're dating Brad Pitt or something like that, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, you know, things that you really want to happen in life are happening. That's a, just a pure wish fulfillment dream and that's just making you feel good. You know, there's, um, there's a, a little interesting, uh, well, it's one of the pages in Freud's book and he he talks about children because their dreams are very easy. They're very, you know, clear most of them because they're not convoluted and because they're they're just too young to repress at that age. And so they really mm-hmm. give you what what's happening. And there's a classic case of a child who uh, had a, vi- a stomach virus and you know so couldn't eat for a long while. And of course they were dreaming of strawberries. You know, oh. because it's that obvious. It's it's fulfilling what you need. You know, you. Mm-hmm. They missed eating something delicious to them, and that's what they dreamt about. So it's a very easy dream, the wish fulfillment, and I would say those are the happiest dreams.
1: And if, if a dream is working through something and you have a wish fulfillment dream, is that still on some level, are you working through giving yourself permission to have it maybe? Um, well, possibly. I mean, it depends on... on
0: it depends it's filling some kind of need yes you know i'd have mm. to hear the whole dream you know and, and exactly what what occurred but
1: um basically yeah and how about predictive dreams you know we talked about your friend pierre's yeah. dream
0: mhm well again predictive there's a difference between predictive and prophetic dreams and i did a book on mm. that too that was one of the dream keys for the, uh, that I did for Dell, it was Dream Keys for the Future, Unlocking the Secrets of Your Destiny. And Pierre Salinger did write the foreword of that book for me. And um, prophetic dreams are coming from the outside uh, and not from... Uh, they're coming from the general, from the outside. And predictive dreams are coming from the specific, to the person, from the inside. And everybody has had a predictive dream. a predictive dream uh, is not prophetic, and I will explain the difference um, for example um you know because the unconscious is so large, it knows and it keeps track of things, so that if a happened and b happened, the likelihood of c happening is great, so that they 'll give you that in the dream, and that's probability, so you may get a dream that that tells you something that seems to predict what's happening, but it's not coming from external information. It's not coming from use, u, u, uh, universal uh, knowledge. It's coming from inside. That's the predictive dream. The, the prophetic dream is coming from outside the person having nothing to do with the person, and it's just coming from energy that's floating around, and you know, some people can pick it up and others cannot.
1: In mm-hmm. fact, exactly. I like your,
0: something about it. Like, excuse me?
1: Like your friend had a prophetic dream because it really wasn't about him.
0: Exactly. Um, and I sort of tried to figure this out, um, actually. Um, oh, I, actually, yes, I can tell you this is very interesting. While I was writing that book, I was really desperate to find out how someone can have a prophetic dream. Where do they get this from? And, you know, I was always thinking about the concept of um of a circle and if you draw a circle and then you just put a little dot on the top of the circle and then you start traveling around it let's say to the right which is the future and as you go around that circle you travel back and you find yourself behind yourself in the past and so it's sort of like a continuous now it's like the previous future if, if you will and mm-hmm. so i think that if you think of it in that way, then everything possibly happened already. So people who are able to prophesy are just remembering the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of mind-boggling, but if you think about it long enough, it sort of starts to make sense. And um, But anyway, I did have a very strange dream, because I was thinking of, um, um, what is the name? the psychic that predicted, um, oh, I'm just blanking out on her name. Maybe you can help me. Um, what was her name? She was the one who was a very famous Washingtonian, and she predicted the death of President Kennedy, and she was the one that warned him not to go to Texas.
1: Oh, I've Beth- heard of her, but I i don't remember her name. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, I can't remember her name now. Jane something? I don't know. Anyway, um, and I was just wondering how was she able to do that? And so I ask for a dream, which is something all your, um, your listeners can do. Um, before you go to sleep at night, you can, you can ask for a dream to explain something to you, uh, focus on a problem or something that is bothering you, and, and try to see if you can you, know, you can get some kind of inner knowledge that will help you fulfill. Of that goal or whatever it is you want to achieve and so this is kind of what i did and i had a very strange dream i dreamt that this is my dream i dreamt that um i was walking around um i had no shoes on and i was walking around um where everybody was wearing robes and i was holding a little bowl of rice in my hand i remember that and a lot of people Mm. were walking around holding rice and I just immediately, for some reason, thought I was in, in Lota, um, in Tibet. And mm-hmm. I've never been, but it, it, just, it just came to me that this is where I, I must be. And I saw this very, you know, iconic figure in a white robe and a beard, you know, this, this older man, and, and he, I said, Is this, is this, is this Lota? Um, am I in Tibet? And he said, Yes. And he said, "Let me show you something." Oh, and I think I may have said, "I see you. You don't eat meat here." And he said, "No." He said, "We don't. We don't eat meat." Mm -hmm. And um, in any event, he said, "I want to show you something." And he takes me to his movie, kind of like a, like a, kind of look like a movie, uh, a long red drapes, red curtain, and I'm just sort of standing there, and he parts the curtain, and and what I see. Is um, a thresher, which is you know threshes wheat. You know it's a you know it's. Yeah. I saw the glint of the metal. It was a thresher, okay. And um, oh no, I'm sorry, I've ruined the dream, and now I have to retell it. This is terrible. Okay. That's what okay. Retell is, it
1: because I'm fascinated.
0: Okay. What I saw was wheat fields, golden wheat fields.
1: Mm. I
0: mean, it was like from the floor to the ceiling golden golden and i was thinking oh how beautiful and then he takes this scythe he was carrying this scythe you know this knife Mm -hmm. and he just Mm -hmm. slices it from the top to the bottom so it was a vertical slice and he sort of this is one of the wheat fields right one of the one of the stalks of wheat and he just slices it down um and he pulls it apart and i see the glint of metal of the thresher so the thresher was inside the wheat and at that moment I awakened and I said, "Oh my God, it's it's that which cuts down the wheat is inside it. So it's like that which which brings someone down is inside them. So the seeds of destruction are within the person." And wow, I know. And and then I sort of thought, "Wow, that's really heavy." And that I thought, heavy. "Well, <laughs> maybe." Um, I mean, it was a crazy dream. I mean, it was absolutely so riveting. Um, I've never had a dream like that since. And I thought, well, maybe on some level, again, this is all about, oh, um, Jean Dixon, that was her name. I'm sorry, the psychic. Jean Dixon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm so glad I could remember that. Um, So it was all, again, about her, how she knew that John Kennedy would, would die, you know, and how he shouldn't go to Texas. And she actually wrote him a letter warning him not to go. And so I thought, well, on some level, he knew uh, inside mm-hmm. him. You know, if the seeds of destruction lie within each man, which is what the dream mm-hmm. was telling us, um, then he knew on some level that he was in danger and that he, you know, something terrible would happen. And that thought on some unconscious level is energy. Thoughts are energy. And so mm-hmm. that thought mm-hmm. just goes out into the universe and she's able to pick up thoughts. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's her ability and that's how she was able to, to know. Mm. Because it was a thought bubble that escaped, and she picked it up and that was that was what I wrote so I wrote a whole little thing about that in this book because uh, but it came from me asking uh, you know because I so wanted to know, and I asked for a dream that would explain um,
1: how someone can be uh, prophetic that 's cool that's so you were saying that my listeners can do this too, and i 'm going to try tonight mm-hmm. is kind of when we're lying in bed, getting relaxed, sort of trying to fall asleep or getting ready, Mm -hmm. ask for a dream, Mm -hmm. especially to explain a problem or situation or answer a question. Yes, something that you want help with. Mm -hmm. Something I want help with. And do you make a ritual of it or do you do it very very casually? How does it work for you? How do you advise people? Well, it would only be if you are going through something that you need um,
0: help with. Then, you know, you can rely on your dream to do it. So I don't expect it would be every day, but you know certain things are more important than others. And if something is pressing you, if you have a lot of anxiety, then just you know, very calmly ask for a dream that's going to help you relieve that anxiety.
1: Mm. That's cool. So um, I just want to tell people that they can see your weekly column um, Sundays in the daily news and they can email yeah. you there? uh yes they can uh the The column appears in the paper. it happens
0: to be <laughs> be in the um in the um t v section, which is strange it didn't used to be it used to be t- together with the horoscope, but now they 've moved it so it 's in the t v section at the last i think it's page nineteen in the t v section in the daily news every sunday and it's two dreams are interpreted, and the first one is visualized, which is really nice um and, um, and it has the address there. The address is, if they want to write to me, it's your
1: dreams at nydailynews.com. Your dreams at nydailynews.com. So if any yeah. of my listeners do your, um, your, this exercise of asking for a dream and they get a dream, I would encourage them to email you. Oh, yes, absolutely, and let me know what the dream was and how it, they think it helped
0: them. Yes, Absolutely. And, that would be um, so cool. the dream, they can also find the column online. Uh, they have to go to the www.nydailynews.com and then go to the um, living section uh, and then just follow um, the prompts and they should come to it that way as well. But, um, but it is fun to see it um, in the paper, but for people that don't live in the tri-state area and cannot get the paper, then you know, they can see it
1: online. That would be cool.
0: Well we no, have about
1: five Yeah, sorry. We have about five minutes left. So I I wanted to hear a little bit about your books, the Dream Keys. I had written down Dream Keys Unlocking the Power of Your Unconscious Mind, but you have what three or four of them? Um, I did three for Dell. Yeah,
0: the Dream Keys. that's why I call them a series of books, but um what, the first one was Dream Keys, Unlocking the Power of Your Unconscious Mind. The second was Dream Keys for Love and Locking the Secrets of Your Own Heart. And the third was Jim Keys for the Future. That book was um, reprinted. It actually went from mass market to hardcover, which is very strange. And that was reprinted in 2009. I think some copies of that are still available. Um, Amazon might have a copy here or two of the others. I don't know because they're pretty much gone. Um, And then the last book was the Coffee Table book, which can still be um, bought and actually for an incredible low price. It was a $35 beautiful coffee table book. And I think that people selling it for like $3 or something or sometimes a dollar. And I, in fact, buy some of them sometimes and give it as gifts because it's a really beautiful book. It has (coughs) beautiful pictures in it. (coughs) Excuse me. And, um, you know, a lot of times I have, I try to get the person in the bedroom so
1: they're on the bed and, It's really very nice. It sounds beautiful. Well, um, we have about three and a half minutes left. So what are some resources that you would recommend to people for learning more about their own dreams?
0: Well, I think reading my books will really help. Um, Mm -hmm. They can certainly read Freud. And um, just the most important thing is to write their dreams down and date them and, and try to understand where
1: they're coming from. So keep the dream journal on your bedstand with a pen and so that you can quickly jot down. Mm-hmm. Another and, thing is and
0: that when we awaken, try to keep their eyes closed. That will preserve the memory? Yes, you want to stay as close as you can to the unconscious. Once you open your eyes, you get distracted by all the stimuli of the Of consciousness and it sort of knocks the dream out Mm -hmm. the most important thing is to close your eyes and just concentrate on the dream
1: so in our last few minutes can you summarize some of the more important points of what you've learned in this very fascinating journey of the dream world
0: well um, for one thing as I have said, I think that what one does in life is reflected in the psyche. And I think it's important uh, to note that. And that helps also in the interpretation of the dream. And um, just know to love your dreams. I can also say that the worst dream you have is the best dream. So there are no bad dreams. People mm. always tell me that had a nightmare. And I said, no, that's a that's a great dream. It's not, a, not something... It's something that it's a gift because it really is something that's coming up that needs to be dealt with. And so, the more horrific the dream, the better it is. Even traumatic, uh, post-traumatic, traumatic traumatic, um, anxiety dreams. These are coming from a lot of people with post-traumatic stress disorder. These dreams, the reason they repeat, is because they're trying to distill and weaken the image um, and the stimulus. of the initial, initial, initial trauma to the psyche. So the reason they repeat is to distill and weaken that um, imagery.
1: And so there's a reason so, why they repeat. So love our dreams. Mm-hmm. So, Lauren, They're thank healthy. you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. I feel like I've learned so much from you, which was really a treat, and I'm oh, really that. grateful. Well, so I, thank I you for being on the show. My pleasure. I'm gonna and I'm gonna hang up now and say goodbye to Lauren and encourage all of my listeners to go to the New York Daily News Sunday to see the dream co- Lauren's dream column, and um, and to look online if you can't get a newspaper. So thank you for tuning in. That was the amazing Lauren Lawrence on dreams. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.